When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, you know what time it is. It's game week. Oh, officially a game week. Now we've been saying, hey, it's game week when it's preseason. But when it's regular season, that's when it all happens. Man, September 10th is only five days away from us. I am excited. I am pleased as punch, if that's still a phrase that people use. Kevin Smith, I know he is. The coach is in the house and he has a lot to talk about. KT, what is going on? I am excited, Brian. Five days. It feels like we've been building up towards this for a long time. And then suddenly here we are. So, uh, And at this point next week, you and I will be talking about the first game in the books. So it's going to be interesting. It's a fascinating matchup against the 49ers. And, and coming off the preseason that the Steelers had, there's a lot of buzz. So a lot, lot to talk about right now. And your season is in full gear. What You have two games in the books, right? Yes, we do. Two games in the books. One and one, uh, playing without our starting quarterback. That's always a challenge, right? Our our backup did a great job in the first week uh, when he had to come in early in the game and fill in. And then, uh, <laughs> no disrespect to our young our young sophomore quarterback, but there's a reason why 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 people are backups. And then, so in week two, we we had to go play one of the top rated teams in the region, and they did a really nice job with their their scouting of him and. Uh, made his life difficult. So we're going to have to try to find a way to to get it done with our backup for a couple of weeks here. And we have seen that with the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. So everything that KT talks about, you know, it is, uh, you know, of course, it is far away from what they're doing in the pros, but some things are just the same, the things that they deal with. We saw the Steelers deal with that in the past. We hope that we don't see the Steelers deal with that right now, especially in 2023. We know that is going to be happening again, but my question for you, and this is all I care about, losing a game is fine, but do they play with heart? Oh yeah. They love football and they love, they love playing the game and they play for each other. And when you get into uh into difficult circumstances. We talk about this all the time. You find out more about yourself and about your team and, and your character through adversity than you do when things are easy. And it, it's a great lesson for you. So hopefully we'll uh, put the pieces back together and figure out how to proceed. And, you know, some new wrinkles and some things that, that we saw from our young quarterback who 
uh, we liked, even though the result wasn't what we wanted. And we'll try to build on that stuff. And you just keep building them up. You know, I mean, more than anything else, young people, and I think this is true really in life in general, but especially with young people, it's, it's amazing the wonders that confidence can do. So you really try to pump them up, build them up, make them believe in themselves, give them a good plan and, and let them go. And I think that that's probably uh, that that transcends levels, I believe. And it's funny. Some of these players that we're talking about for your team are only four years difference to some of the Steelers rookies <laughs> in Broderick Jones's case. They're some of them are three years removed. You might, I don't know if you have an 18 year old, but if you do, some of them are two years, you know, so it, it's funny. You do have players that could be possibly, you know, playing at a higher level in just two or three years. And it's when I say a higher level, the professional level. And you talked about the players that you had playing in your house at, from IMG Academy. And, you know, that's going to be the case with guys like that. Hopefully for players on your team as well. Hopefully some of them have pro aspirations, you know. But with that being said, Kevin, the reason I'm bringing that all up is we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers now. And you can look at adversity or how the Steelers had prosperity in the preseason and how that affects the mindset going into the regular season. That's what we are going to talk about here on Here We Go, the Steelers show, as the Steelers get ready for the San Francisco 49ers. But we got to do this. We got to take a quick break. This is just going to be a 30, 45 second break with one message. And we will be back right after this on Here We Go, the Steelers show on the Fans First Sports Network's Steel Curtain Network. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin Smith is with me as well, the coach from the Ocean City Red Raiders in New Jersey. Three-time champion coach who always is able to give great perspective, whether it's the high school level, the college level, and the pro level as well, because coaching is coaching doesn't matter who you are, they're young players, and there's motivations, there's adversity, there's prosperity like we just talked about. The Steelers had a very prosperous preseason, Kevin. They were 3-0, and and there were a lot of heads turned. And when that happens, that kind of makes me nervous because the Steelers are so much better with chips on their shoulders and an underdog role. Now, all of a sudden, people that are not in the 4-1-2 fandom are now taking notice and some of them are saying hey this is my dark horse super bowl pick or this is my playoff pick some people are still putting them in the doghouse saying hey they're gonna be better but they're gonna miss the playoffs so with that all i've got to say is should we worry about the steelers being too prosperous and having such an exciting preseason that there might be a letdown going into week one against a very potent team, Joey Bosa or not, excuse me, Nick Bosa or not in the San Francisco 49ers. Well, I think there's two ways to look at that. On one hand, you're right. I agree with you. Chip on their shoulder. Steelers are my favorite Steelers. And maybe I have some flashbacks to those games when uh, Ben Roethlisberger was at quarterback and, the Steelers were traveling to play a seemingly inferior opponent and they just didn't play well and they lost games. Everybody thought that they should have won. And it always felt like there was a little bit of 
or lack of an edge to them in those particular instances. But I think that this is a Steelers group that is coming into the season with a distinct edge, with a distinct chip on their shoulder. A lot of people are late to the party on the Steelers in the sense that they they feel as though that they're going to be better than what people projected. But I think Steeler fans understand that watching them last year, you saw tremendous growth from the young players. And the Steelers became, by the end of the season, a good football team. And then they had a tremendous offseason where they brought in a lot of veterans, a lot of guys with leadership quality, players who could add depth. They've pretty much solidified every position group on the roster now to the point where you feel like there's not a single position group where if a guy goes down, a starter goes down, that the backup can't come in and provide solid play. And yet, with all that said, the Vegas over-under for Steelers wins is still 8.3, which is a ridiculous number, of course, but suggests that they're going to have a losing season, even though Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season as head coach. And so while there may be some pundits in the national media who are starting to warm up to the Steelers, the general perception and the betting line is that this is an under 500 team. And if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers and I'm coming off of a seven and two finish to last season, a three and O preseason, uh, I'm, I'm coming in with a big chip on my shoulder and an awful lot of prove, you know, prove them wrong uh, mentality. And I love that group of, of Steelers as you do. Yeah. That's my favorite brand of Pittsburgh Steeler. Now, this is one of the things that I've been thinking of because this is a team unlike the Killer Bees. When I'm talking about Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, of course, Le'Veon Bell and teams like that, that I feel like as successful as they were, they never want to ring together, but they always believe their own hype. And they were the teams that struggled against teams they were supposed to beat. How much of a different team do you think this is with the personalities of guys like Pickett's, excuse me, Pickett and Pickens? I'm going to do that a lot, and I, I should know by now. And guys like TJ Watt kind of don't feel like this team believes their hype as much. Well, for one thing, this team's never won anything. They This team hasn't won a playoff game. The Steelers haven't won a playoff game since 2016. And I don't know off the top of my head, maybe you do, but are there any Steelers, Chris Boswell maybe, are there any Steelers remaining from the 2016 team on the roster? I don't, I'm, I'm not going to pause while we try to figure it out on air here, but I, I fact, don't know off the top of my head. I think the only ones remaining from the 17 roster are Boswell and TJ Watt and nobody else. Right. So, so I mean, this is a team where nobody on the current roster unless we're wrong, has won a playoff game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. And so there's no, there's really no hype for them to have to sort of believe in that sense that, right. That when, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger had won two Super Bowls and been to a third, Antonio Brown had won a ton of accolades and was, all, and was being talked about as the league's best wide receiver. They had a high flying offense that put up a lot of points. There was a lot of national attention on them. And they, I think that they felt like a group that had arrived already, even though 
that particular group, that specific group, the killer bees hadn't won a Super Bowl together. And it always felt like they underachieved as a result of that. Whereas this group has, has not accomplished anything. I mean, the core of this group are second and third year players who haven't won a playoff game, have just pl- have played in just one playoff game where they got thumped at Kansas City two years ago. So so they they need to be a hungry group, and they should be a hungry group. And by every you – know, when, I, when I think about this group of Steelers, when I watch their enthusiasm in the preseason, they, they seem to be a group that was both hungry and enjoyed playing football with one another. There seemed to be uh, a – uh, and a real enjoyment and excitement and enthusiasm for what they were doing. I think that they feel like they're putting together something special. You have all these young guys who are now really ascending as NFL players and not a lot of national attention given to the Steelers up until the last week or so. And I think that they feel as though they've got an awesome opportunity here to prove a lot of people wrong and surprise a lot of people. And that's a great feeling. That's an, when you're a, when you're a young player, and and you want to you have the chance to surprise somebody. It's a, it's such a motivator. I, I don't know for whatever reason proving people wrong seems to be a a greater mo- motivator than validating preconceived ideas about a thing. I don't know why that is, but it just feels that way. And that that's that's who I think this team is. I think it's a prove people wrong kind of football team. And I think it's a team that definitely can. And the egos are. I mean, every football player is going to have an ego. But the egos are a little different in, I think, what they're, like you said, what their motivation is. So I I cannot wait to see what this team does. But how much pressure is on this young Steeler team? And this is a young team when you're going up against a team like the 49ers. There's going to be some pressure because people are going to want to know if the preseason was for real or if it's a repeat of last year. Last year, the Steelers went 3-0 in the preseason, and then they got out of the gate off to a 2-6 and start, which was just too deep a hole for them to dig themselves out of in order to make the playoffs. And now they've got one of the best teams in the league coming to Pittsburgh for a high-profile Week 1 game that when you read about the Week 1 projections, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to circle that game and say, hey, that's a game to watch. And it is a game to watch. Why wouldn't you want to watch it, right? You're going to have two quarterbacks from last year's quarterback class who have clearly proven themselves to be the two best. Uh, Kenny Pickett against Brock Purdy. That That's interesting in and of itself. San Francisco's scheme, the fact that they challenge teams with their very creative and efficient offensive scheme is going to be an interesting matchup against Pittsburgh's defense. And then there's going to be the, the fact that the Steelers in their opener the last two seasons have been underdogs and pulled off upsets against very good football teams, Buffalo two years ago and Cincinnati last year. So you put all that intrigue together, and I think you have a very fascinating matchup. Now, will the Steelers feel pressure? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they'll feel pressure so much as they'll feel opportunity. I think, it's, I think for young players, again, it's opportunity – more so than it's pressure. Because again, this is a Steelers team. And if you're just going off of the Vegas win total projections, that's that's uh, being projected to finish last in the AFC North. Every single team in the division has a higher win total projection. And I can't imagine for a team that's coming off of 
a preseason like the Steelers are, uh, the confidence they must be feeling, how mad that would make me feel if I knew that I was being picked to finish last. So I think they will be, again, chip on the shoulder Steelers. All right, we're going to talk about that chip and what they need to do with it to beat a team like San Francisco when we come back after this for the second and final half of Here We Go, the Steelers show from Steel Curtain Network on the Fans First Sports Network. Stick around right after this. Yeah, that music sounds like a party and the Pittsburgh Steelers are getting ready to throw a party. It is the opening week of 2023, the NFL season, and it's the first time since 2014, as Jeff Hartman likes to say, the day that Antonio Brown kicked a punter in the face, the last time that a home crowd got to see the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one. Kevin, before I, I get into all of this, I've got to ask you, how much does playing at home mean for this young team? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I forgot that they played so many road openers in a row until you just mentioned it. And uh, obviously there's going to be a, an excited home crowd and the Steelers will feed off of that energy. And there, there's definitely going to be moments in the game where the home crowd can pick you up. Uh, I'm, I'm not a huge believer in the power of emotion in football games, because I think adrenaline wears off pretty fast. You get, you get a Hollywood loves to give you, you like the great coach speech, the pregame speech. They love to script them. Maybe the best one of all time is the one given by Al Pacino in any given Sunday where he, where he gets into the, like, you know, the defending every blade of grass speech. It's a great speech written by speech writers. And I mean, if it was a genuine speech, it'd be, it, it, it would have a, an impact. You'd be, you'd be fired up by that speech, right? You'd go out there and, and be excited, et cetera. And then the game starts and anything that your coach said in the locker room or anything that the, that the home crowd, the juice that you get running out of the tunnel in front of the home crowd, that all wears off really quickly. It wears off very fast because, it, because very, very quickly it becomes about blocking and tackling and executing your schemes. And so I expect the Steelers to come out of the gates excited, but at the same time, they're playing a really experienced team with uh, a, a veteran coaching staff who knows how to prepare for these types of things uh, and who will probably, if I'm San Francisco early on, if I get the ball and I'm San Francisco early on, I'm getting into my bootleg counter misdirection game right away because the Steelers, if they're jacked up and flying around, are going to be running to the ball a million miles an hour. And if you're San Francisco, who loves the wide zone boot scheme, you, you know you can easily see them using against using that against the Steelers, running running some early bootlegs, and here go all the Steelers linebackers 100 miles an hour to the play fake, and now they pull the ball and they hit George Kittle coming back across the other way for a 20 yard gain, and the crowd gets silent pretty quickly, and all of a sudden you realize, hey, it's now it's about X's and O's and tackling. So I think that there is an effect. 
And I think that there will be moments in games. Like, you know, let's say let's say it's the third quarter and it's a tight football game and San Francisco's got the ball on a crucial third down. And the crowd's going to be loud. And the 49ers are going to have to be prepared for that. And the Steelers are going to feed off of that energy. Those things are – there will be moments, I think, in the game where the crowd matters. But it won't be it won't be one of those things where it just provides them an intangible advantage the entire game. It's going to ebb and flow – uh, and it's going to really come down at the end of the day. And I know this sounds boring, but it's the truth. It's going to come down to block and tackling and, and executing the schemes. Man, how would you like to be at that game? Would that be phenomenal? It would be phenomenal. Kevin, I would love to be at that game. And hopefully somebody from the Pittsburgh Steelers in the contest that ended yesterday had a chance to get in from Fans First Sports Network. There's going to be plenty of great opportunities here at Fans First, so make sure you check out Fans First for all of your Pittsburgh Steelers needs and all of your sports needs. So many teams. We have over 125 affiliates right now with every single sport, so whatever you like, make sure you check out FFSN and FansFirstSports.com where Kevin writes on that website, and I am going to get back to my submissions on FFSN as well. You know, Brian, when I think about going live to a Steelers game, for me, I'm not a Western PA native. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a trek to get out there. It's probably from where I live about six hours, six and a half feet traffic. Uh, and it, it feels a little bit like a pilgrimage, you know, like you're, you're going to a really special place. And I've never, the Steelers have never lost the game that I've attended in Pittsburgh. We, they lost one. The first one I ever saw the Steelers lose was last season in Philadelphia in, in person, but, but they've never lost one in, in, in Pittsburgh. And I have such great memories of all of those journeys out there. The one that leaps to mind is the 1996 playoffs when they played Buffalo and the tailgate party at three river stadium started at around seven o'clock in the morning for a game that was like a 1230 PM kickoff. And, People were, uh, let's just say, getting after it in the parking lot at, at 7 a.m. with Bratz and IC light. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it was about 12 degrees outside and nobody cared. And you're in this sort of like fraternity of people you didn't know, but everybody had this massive bond over the Steelers. And it was just a special experience. So whoever wins that contest is going to get a really, really cool opportunity. Yeah, let's say, let's say they go to the Steelers game, right, to just be a part of that. So I think it's a, I think it's a very special uh, occasion. And stick with Fans for Sports Network to see if you were the winner of that contest that did end yesterday. So Kevin, let's talk about it. What do the Steelers need to do? Do they need to score first? Is that the most important thing in this game? Or if you're the coach and the Steelers win the coin flip, what do you want to see them defending a blade of grass? Or do you want to see them go ahead and try to score first? I always like to defer because I like the ball coming out of halftime. That's me. Because that's a good opportunity at halftime to sort of reassess uh, and see where things are. And uh, and you always like that extra possession in the second half. But what the Steelers really need to do, I believe, is on defense, first and foremost – have answers for the play action game because that's just really the strength of San Francisco's offense. They they do such a good job scheming and formationing you into run 
downs or, or into run structures, right? They line up in ways that make it really look like it's going to be run, whether it's the way they position their tight ends or their motions, or they'll bring Debo Samuel down into the box where you're, you're pretty convinced he's going to wind up cracking on a linebacker. And then they'll run some sort of play action in which they leak him across the middle and out the backside. And it just takes a lot of discipline that you know, a phrase you hear coaches use all the time is eye discipline. It takes eye discipline, which means your eyes, whatever your read key is, they need to be on that read key. If you get caught looking into the backfield, locking on the quarterback, trying to follow the football, any of these sort of like lazy uh, or undisciplined techniques, you're in trouble. A team like San Francisco really makes you pay. And you have to be gap sound. You have to be uh, disciplined with your eyes. You have to fly to the football, but at the same time, be wary of the fact that they often use that against defenses. So it's a challenging matchup for sure. Now, I think another thing that the Steelers have defensively working in their favor is this is going to be Brock Purdy's first extended action since getting injured in the NFC championship game. And he looked pretty good in the preseason, but how will he react, you know, under game situations with pressure in his face? And I, you know, hopefully the Steelers can put a lot of pressure on him, throw a lot of exotic looks at him. One of the things that they've done the last two years is they've used the preseason to reinvent themselves defensively. They flustered Joe Burrow last year into uh, four or five interceptions, whatever it was. And, and they frustrated Josh Allen two years ago. And so hopefully they'll go, they're going to be able to show Purdy a bunch of things he's not expecting and give him some looks that confuse him and make him hold the ball. So he takes some hits. And then once he takes takes those hits, you know, then you, and then it's on them to see how he reacts. As of this particular juncture, we do not know if Nick Bosa will be playing in this game. As far as I'm concerned, I don't even think it matters because Nick Bosa is – very, very good. He's phenomenal. He's the reigning defensive player of the year. But the rest of that defense is fantastic. You've got Fred Warner there and so many great players. Is the onus more on the Pittsburgh Steelers offense to be able to score against such a tough, staunch D? Or is it the defense to shut down that methodical and uh, sometimes explosive San Francisco team with one of the best schemes in the NFL? It's a good question. I, I think the onus is on both. Both units have to play well. Neither one is going to be able to carry the team. If they get a poor defensive effort, but a good offensive effort, they're going to lose the game. I, I think that, that that is true, vice versa. The one thing that, that maybe does help them a little bit offensively is that San Francisco's defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, uh, the Steelers are pretty familiar with him. He was the head coach in Cleveland for a little bit. Or, I'm sorry, the defensive coordinator in Cleveland for a little bit. They've met, they've seen him. He's been around the league for a long time. They've seen him a lot. Uh, they, they should be fairly familiar with some of the things that he likes to do. And obviously, given the one thing I think we learned about the Steelers offense this preseason is that they have the opportunity to be pretty diverse. They're not a run, run, pass offense like they've been the last couple of years. Now, now maybe they will be, but they don't, they don't need to be, I should say. They don't need to be run, run, pass. And they really mixed it up over the preseason. I did an article for SCN last week that kind of broke down the uh, diversity that they showed in the preseason. The touches were d widely distributed. 
Najee Harris got the most of them, but that was predominantly in the last game when they were trying to get him some touches and get him in rhythm a little bit. And, you know, if, if things are going well, the Steelers are still going to want to establish the run first. But but they have more weapons on offense than they've had in years now. I mean, San Francisco's challenge is going to be to try to account for all the places Pittsburgh can go with the ball. They can go outside to Deontay Johnson or George Pickens. They can work Allen Robinson in the slot, Pat Fryermuth up the seam. They've got this excellent two-headed monster at running back with Harris and Jalen Warren. They've got the speedster and Calvin Austin. And you think to yourself, San Francisco hasn't seen a lot of these guys before, and they haven't seen them contexted in the Pittsburgh system. And so you hope that Matt Canada's got some stuff that he feels if he gets some traditional looks from Steve Wilkes, some things that the Steelers have come to expect from Steve Wilkes, that he'll be able to exploit. So it's going to be a heck of a chess match. Well, I am looking forward to this game, and that is fantastic analysis. Kevin, is there anything else that you want to bring up about this upcoming game? Well, I, it'd be hard not to talk, to to assess the, the upcoming game without talking about Kenny Pickett briefly. Everybody is excited to see how he fares because his preseason really raised the bar, the level of expectation that everybody has. I think we saw Kenny Pickett go from being a guy who, uh, when he started out, the mandate was just don't lose us the game. Let's just protect the ball and not lose us the game to by the end of the season, somebody who the Steelers understood they could lean on in clutch situations if they needed some of those fourth quarter drives that he engineered. And then this preseason, he was just flawless, absolutely flawless. Five touchdowns on five drives in which he played. And so obviously there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of interest in whether or not that carries over and, and expecting Pickett to light it up against San Francisco's defense may be a little bit much. I don't expect him to light it up. I do expect him to struggle. This is one of the best defenses in the NFL. But at the same time, I think that there, he's going to make some plays in the game that are going to be plays that show his growth, whether that's moving in, in the pocket rather than fleeing the pocket to keep a play alive so he can hit a receiver downfield within the framework of the route combinations or get, you know getting to a third read in his progression, you know just being able to diagnose coverage and work through his progressions and get a ball down the field, push the ball down the field, right? I mean, the Steelers have been a dink and dunk passing game for the last several years, but this preseason they were explosive. And so I think there'll be a lot of interest in that. Can the Steelers push the ball down the field in certain situations against San Francisco? So it'll be very intriguing to watch Pickett play. I'm really excited to see it. I'm not expecting him to blow the roof off. Because, again, this is an excellent defense, but I think we'll see a much more mature uh, and advanced Kenny Pickett. So we really are hoping and looking for Kenny Pickett to be the Steel Curtain Network Dude of the Week here on Here We Go, the Steelers show. But we've got to come up with a Dude of the Week on our own. And, of course, we're going to go towards our celebrity wing like we always do, but we're going to do a, do a Steeler one as well real quick. Rest in peace, the great Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, it was a that was a, that one was a shock. That one was uh, I Jimmy Buffett will forever live in American pop culture 
for creating the phrase it's five o'clock somewhere yep which and I mean, he did that times, late in his career yeah how many times have you use that phrase in your life oh i've used that phrase several times i've used a lot of his phrases um over the years you know have you ever seen him in concert I saw him a long time ago. I was probably in college, but it was actually down in the Keys, which was oh, pretty wow. cool. Yeah, so that awesome. was his that was, you know, his stomping ground. I mean, it was it was nothing but parrot heads in the audience, you know. And I mean, I was a Jimmy Buffett fan. I wasn't by no means a parrot head. I liked his stuff, but his concert was just like it was just a good time. Like the, the whole party. thing was and that was his whole vibe. His whole vibe was just the uh, was just a good time. I know. Uh, I've seen him five times. That was not enough. Jeff Hartman has seen him over 20 times and he he's taken this hard. That's a, uh, that's a really tough one for Jeff. Cause first time I met him, he talked about how much he loves Jimmy Buffett. He, uh, you know, just a huge fan and my kids are taking it tough. They, uh, we were listening to a long trip today in the car and they're like, put on Jimmy. And we, we've never put on Jimmy in the car before but they've heard them. They know of them, but we are listening to the whole, whole thing and just having a great time doing it. Let's uh, with, uh, let's get off of that somber note. Let's get on to happy stuff. We got dude of the week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who do we got, Kevin? Can I, uh, can I reach back and, and, and pull back, pull up a Steeler alumnus? You can. I, I don't have any current Steelers on my mind right now. And we'll, we'll have plenty a week from now for sure. But as I was doing my as I was doing my call sheet podcast for the for FFSN, I, I have the little tradition that I've been doing now where we say what episode it is, what episode number it is. And then we talk about a football player who wore that number. And it was just episode 20 of uh, the call sheet. And I talked about Rocky Blyer and and I, I mean, I've, I always loved Rocky Blyer, but just I wanted to make sure I had all the details right. So I started to just go back and read just some stuff on Rocky Blyer. And the more I read, the more I was blown away by his story because I, for, you know, you forget some of the details. You forget the fact that like he, he almost had his foot amputated. I mean, they, they didn't think he was ever going to walk again, but the thing that, that, that the little nugget that I pulled up as I was reading back, reading up again on Rocky Blyer was when Rocky Blyer was in the hospital after he had for those, most people probably know, most Steelers fans probably know, but for those who don't, Rocky Blyer was uh, serving a, a tour in Vietnam, 1968, after he had already finished his rookie year with the Steelers and was wounded, shot in the thigh during an ambush, and then a grenade exploded and pretty much blew apart his right foot. And as he's in the hospital trying to recover, and he's already been told by doctors, you'll never play football again, he gets a postcard from Art Rooney Sr., that simply says, rock, the team is struggling. We need you. And I just thought to myself, like, man, Art Rooney, you know, <laughs> how many how many owners would do that today to a guy? Rocky Blyer was a 16th round draft pick. So, you know, we, we, don't, we don't even have half that many rounds now. But to a guy who was a fringe player who looked like he would never play again for him to just take the time to send him that postcard. And Rocky Blyer talked a lot about that, said that that was a huge inspiration in his comeback. And you know what? It was uh, it, it was just meant to inspire a guy that was probably never going to play again. You know, that right. was just how Art Rudy was. So absolutely phenomenal stuff. Real quick, I hate to go off on a tangent, but you did that for episode 20. But what if it wasn't for another player on the Steelers after Rocky came back, 
wearing a certain number, what episode would have you been covering if Rocky got his old number back? Hmm, I think 26. Was that it his is original 26. One? Absolutely. Good job. All right. All right. Rod Woodson. Rod Woodson. It was Preston <laughs> Pearson, too, that Preston Pearson, who was uh, wearing 26. So before he went on to the Cowboys. So, yeah. And that, Preston Pearson gets traded to the Cowboys. And then there's that uh, phenomenal photograph of Jack Lambert standing over Preston Pearson in the Super Bowl with his fist clenched. And you know Preston Pearson's like kind of lying there on the ground, and I think that, that I think that was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. But I, I had that one hanging on my wall when I was a kid. That's just great stuff. I'm going to throw in, you know, we do this a lot, so I'm not going to go with Omar Khan, but I'm going to go with the guys that he traded away and dudes of the week to Kevin Dotson, and also one Kendrick Green. Look. There are some people that are thrilled with the fact that they have been traded, but it does not diminish that both of these guys did some very good things when they were here with the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially Kevin Dotson. I thought that uh, he had, if you look back on it, he had a decent career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it was a successful experience, but with the way that they have upgraded that offensive line, it doesn't hurt what they got out of them because Omar Khan did a phenomenal job, but I want to throw my hat one more time to Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green. We will see both of those players this season, week four and week seven, I believe, as the Pittsburgh Steelers travel to Houston and Los Angeles to play the Texans and Rams, respectively. So they're going to get dudes of the week. Right on, man. Classy move, Brian. I like it. All right. Not as classy as Art Rooney. (laughs) <laughs> but few are there there you go what was art the dude of the week or was it rocky it was art uh, right? i was yeah i was giving it to rocky but if you want to give it to art I'll, I'll i'll never argue that yeah it's time for us to get on out of here uh check out kevin smith on the call sheet i will also be debuting on fans for sports networks nfl feed this week as well later on in the week So lots of great things going on. Make sure you check out that feed. Make sure you check out Steel Curtain Network for all of your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. And go ahead, peruse FFSN and the lineup. There's a lot of fantastic stuff out there. You're going to love it. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. This has been Steel Curtain Networks. Here we go, the Steelers show. And we remind you to keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for those hypocycloids. (laughs) 